Hi uh, guys, welcome to this week's episode of our Facts First podcast. Now for this particular episode, we are joined by former health secretary. We're going to talk about the situation now here in the Philippines, in particular in Metro Manila. As you all know, as we speak, the Philippines is now number one in Southeast Asia in terms of the number of active COVID-19 cases. The latest figures as we speak, at least 124,000 active cases. Now, the basic question is, why did we come to this? What are the improvements that need to be made immediately to be able to address this problem? So for this podcast, I'd like to introduce first our special guest, former Health Secretary Esperanza Cabral. Uh, thank you for joining us, Dr. Cabral. Such a pleasure, po. How are you? Thank you for inviting me, Christian. It's a pleasure also to be with you. Okay, okay naman po, Dr. Cabral, I decided to invite you for this podcast because, uh, of course, given your, your previous position, having um, uh, led the Department of Health and at the same time, the Department of Social Welfare and Development during the time of former President Laura Macapagal-Royo. Pero first, yes. gusto ko po sana mag-take off dun sa ano, very important statement that you issued uh, several days ago. You said that we're not exactly back to square one, but 10 steps back from square one. What did you exactly mean when you said this? Oh, I think it was uh, in the statement. I was referring to our socioeconomic situation that, of, co- of course, will affect the, se- the health system and the care that we are going to be able to give to patients, whether they have COVID or no COVID or something else. Mahirap talaga na tayo ngayon kasi nung umpisa ang ating GDP growth rate was at 6 plus percent, diba? So maganda yung ekonomiya natin noon. Pero after one year na pinapatay tayo yung COVID, pati ang ating economic situation ay nagkasakit na rin. So that at the end of 2020, we had a negative GDP growth rate of 9.5%. So ang layo talaga yung situation na yun. Ibig sabihin nun, lahat ng poverty targets, uh, um, poverty reduction targets ng gobyerno, nung umpisa they were targeting uh, to bring down poverty to about 14%. And obviously, hindi nila yun magagawa, so they revised their poverty reduction target to 17%. So, ibig sabihin, hindi lang the same number ang poor, dumami pa. Mas malala. And uh, dumami pa yun dahil sa marami, sa malilit na tao ay hindi nakapagtrabaho. At napaka-importante na magtrabaho sila kasi kung hindi sila magtatrabaho, eh, kakailanganin ng gobyerno na bigyan sila ng tinatawag nilang ayuda. Diba? Eh yun naman pag-distribute ng ayuda, eh hindi naman napaka-efficient. Eh kanina nga sa television narinig ko na merong mga drivers na hindi pa nakakatanggap ng ayuda hanggang ngayon. Magmula yung first ayuda. Kaya nga sila, for the first time in their lives, they are now begging in the streets instead of driving their vehicles. Sige ma'am, maganda na you mentioned both the economic component or aspect as well as the health aspect of this uh, uh, COVID-19 pandemic response. No? Kasi if you are the government, it's very difficult to actually disapproach this from one particular aspect only. Laging ano yan, no? laging sabay dapat. 
Pero dito, Laging sabay dapat. Pero dito, bakit tayo umabot sa ganitong situation? Why did we come to this? A situation wherein we're number one in Southeast Asia as far as active cases uh, are concerned. Eh, pero last year, di ba, very confident yung government, especially the Department of Health, sabi nila, uh, the, the measures, the mechanisms, the approaches, strategies were all in place to be able to deal with uh, with any surge. Pero bakit tayo umabot pa rin sa ganito? Uh, palagay ko ay maraming dahilan kung bakit tayo umabot sa ganito. There is no one thing or one person to which we can assign blame. All of us have to share responsibility in what has happened. And of course, we cannot discount the fact that it is the lack of the draw. Hindi naman uh, natin alam na kung ano ang magiging behavior ng COVID-19 virus, di ba? Although dapat, nung umpisa pa yan, sinasabi ko na sa ending palagi ng statement ko is pre- prepare to prevent the next pandemic because it is just around the corner. Well, it turns out that this pandemic which hasn't left us is now providing us with another disaster. But it is one year since the start and there are many things we should have learned already many things we could have put in place so that when this happened, we could deal with it better. Diba? Hindi uh, ko naman sinasabi na gobyerno lang ang may kasalanan nito. Hindi naman nila ina-expect talaga na magkakaroon ng mga virus mutations na magiging more easily transmissible even though the body, the body has proven that it is more lethal. Pero yung kung more transmissible ka, and more people catch the COVID disease, then there is a likelihood that some of them will die. So tataas pa rin yung death rate natin. Miss, kinasabihin mo na the virus is not more lethal than before. Hmm. Tsaka lagi naman nadadagdagan yung number of deaths. No? So, ko, uh, palaging nadadagdagan. Ang problema nga dyan is uh, in fact, we just discovered that uh, the number of deaths being reported by the Department of Health is different from the number of deaths being reported by the uh, Philippine Statistical Authority, for example, because they have different sources of uh, of uh, the deaths that they register. In DOH gets their report from the hospitals. When a patient with COVID-19 dies in the hospital, it gets reported to them. The Philippine Statistical Authority gets their data from the civil registry, from the death certificates. And the death certificates do not come just from the hospitals because there are people who die outside of the hospitals. Mm. So in their data, there are actually more than 20,000 deaths from COVID-19 compared to the 13,000 COVID deaths that the DOH reports. So which one is more uh, accurate or credible? Uh, well, the, the official reporting will be from the PSA because they are the ones who hold the civil registry. So that is the more credible data no, as far as uh, the number of deaths uh, is concerned. Pero dito, from the perspective of policymaking, kasi nga, naman talaga magsisiyan at this time kasi we have no other choice but to support one another. Pero naman talaga yung importance of... Seeking accountability. Baka naman kasi talaga may nagkulang on the part of those running this pandemic response. Kanina, mm. may mga pagkukulang, no? Na hindi natin nagawa after more than a year of dealing with this pandemic. Mm. 
can we can you be more specific? Ano yung mga hindi nagawa ng mga policymakers natin? Ano yung for instance? Uh, oh, sure. The, the, let's go back to what I said a year ago. The four imperatives that I said government has to do when it deals with COVID-19. Diba? Una is know the enemy. Dito, pumupunta dito yung testing and tracing. And obviously, we lack with the testing. Hindi pa rin natin abot yung number of tests na kailangan natin gawin every time at every situation. Like at this situation, we're supposed to be doing about 150,000 PCR tests every day. Pero we are doing something like 50,000. So we're not catching the people with COVID-19 who are in the 100,000 that we should have tested. And now they say the positivity rate is almost 20%. So ang ibig sabihin doon, sa 100,000 na hindi natin na-test, 20,000 nun actually merong COVID. Yeah. Diba? Na hindi natin alam kasi hindi natin na-test. Pagkatapos, ha? Based on the positivity rate alone. Yeah. Just on that. Ngayon, hindi na nga natin na alam yon yung 20,000 na yon kung sino yun dun sa mga 100,000 na yon Doon sa alam natin, doon sa tinest natin, na 50,000, tapos ang lumabas ay 10,000 ang meron sila. ba diba? Ganun ngayon ang rate, eh. mga 9,000, 10,000, so 20% pa rin yung positivity rate doon sa na-test natin. Hmm. Eh di kailangan naman nating i-contact trace yung mga alam natin na positive. Mm-hmm. So yung 10,000 na yon kailangan natin malaman sino ang na-expose doon sa 10,000 na yon. And I think that is the weakest link as far as um, knowing the enemy is concerned. Kasi hanggang ngayon wala pa tayong unified app para dito sa contact tracers. Uh, nawawala na ng pera yung mga LGUs kaya yung mga contact tracers na hinire nila inaalis na nila and they're just keeping a fewer number dahil sa that's all they can afford ngayon. Tapos yung mga contact tracers ang nagagawa nila yata sa isang araw ay mga sampo o hanggang labing lima at the most natitrace nila. E ang kailangan nilang tracing ay mga 50. Mm-hmm. Dahil sa yung mga tao na yon, at pumunta sa maraming lugar. At doon sa kanilang mga tinitirahan, maraming taong nakatira, siksikan sila doon. So napakaraming problema yung contact tracing. Sa treatment, di, ano tayo, test, trace, and treat. Yun ang sinasabi natin doon sa Know the Enemy. Doon sa treatment, palagi tayo may stock out position dun sa mga importanteng gamot dahil sa yung mga private hospitals kailangan silang uh, mag-order dun sa pharmacy or dun sa manufacturer ng kakailanganin ng nilang gamot and hindi marami kaya palaging stock out tap hmm. di kailangan yung gobyerno alam nila This is the list of medicines that are critical for use among severe and critical COVID patients. Hmm. Dapat assured ang supply ng mga gamot na yon. But it really is not. 
that's why there is now price gouging. Yeah. Ba? Pag makakita ka ng gamot, eh, yung gamot dapat eh, to 1,000 pesos lang ang halaga, nagiging 10,000 pesos. Yeah, mm, tama. So maraming problema ang ganun na dapat ay tinututukan din ang ating pamahalaan para mapagsilbihan yung mga tao na nanagkaka-COVID. So number two ay sabi natin, uh, treat the sick. O, so sinabi na natin yung treat the sick, yung sa gamot. Pero hindi lang gamot ang problema. These days, pag ikaw ay nagka-COVID at pumunta ka sa emergency room ng Asian Hospital, for example, o Makati Medical Center, dun ka muna sa emergency room. And the likelihood na titira ka dun sa emergency room is mga five days to one week bago ka makakuha ng kwarto. Pero hmm. lang siguro kung sa Makati Med, ang pang last name mo, pangilinan eh, number one ka siguro, napapanik. <laughs> Pero kung hindi... Eh, you cannot jump the line kasi magagalit sa yung ibang tao, di ba? And mahigpit yung mga doktor do sa Makati Med sa ibang lugar na hindi talaga sila nagpapajump ng line. So titira ka muna din sa ER at kung hindi ka papatay, ay swerte ka na ipanin ka din sa room. So mm-hmm. hindi rin naasikaso yan yung pag uh, allocate ng beds para sa COVID patients. Dapat may programa na naganyan. Plus, um, dapat ay ina-anticipate natin na yun yung wala kasi yung anticipation, yung forward-looking planning. Porque ba last uh, August eh, nakaya natin? Ibig sabihin ba na pag may sumunod, makakaya pa rin natin? At kakayahin natin with the same kind of capacity? What is that going to mean? If pre- previously, when there were 6,000 cases per day coming in, the doctors called for a timeout. Now there are 10,000 cases per day coming in. And pagpalagay mo na 5% na lang nun, ang pupunta sa ospital. Edi 500 yata yun, ano? Mm-hmm. Napupunta sa ospital at mga ngailangan ng bed. Ang problema dyan, bawat isa, Kung isang araw lang siya titigil doon, madali yung turnover, okay sana eh. Kaso, ngayon, they stay there for almost a month. Mm-hmm. So that bed is occupied for a month by one person. Where would the others go? So we, didn't, we haven't done anything about that either to increase the capacity, the bed capacity. And what is the reason? It's not just the beds. It's because the health workers are not available. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctors are somehow able to master um, their numbers so that they can take care of the patients. But they're really tired. They're really exhausted. The nurses is a different thing. Because the nurses will leave if they don't want to, if they don't want to work anymore in the COVID area because they're tired or they're afraid or things like that, they just leave. Or if their turn to go to London for employment comes, they will leave. That's their, or if they, huh? That's their choice. That's their choice. Choice nila talaga yan. Hindi natin sila dapat pigilan sa ganon. So, noong pa, sinasabi na rin natin na they have to build their reserve capacity. 
and they have to know the logistics of how to use this reserve capacity. And they cannot be just pulling out people from other regions to put to put them dun sa mga lugar na maraming COVID. Kasi ano naman mangyayari dun sa region na tinanggalan nila ng mga tao, edi eh wala namang magagawa yung mga nandun. Sino titingin dun sa mga stroke patients, heart patients, kidney patients, etc. dun sa region na yun. Kung wala yung mga doktor dun at tumitingin sila ng COVID dito sa NCR. Hmm. You, you mentioned yung August situation wherein... Uh... Group, so a group of doctors called for a yeah. and this was granted at first mm-hmm. think, by the government because in open policy president Duterte dahil nagreklamo sila openly uh-huh. eventually this was granted no interesting uh, uh-huh. yung sinabi nyo na ano eh dapat dun pa lang nagkaroon na ng uh, foresight di ba to be able to yeah. pero saan nyo i-attribute yung ganitong uh, unpreparedness that we're seeing now is it because of overconfidence the lack of foresight Siguro hubris na rin. What do you think? Uh, Having, uh, uh, lahat na yun. Lahat na yun. Pero para sa akin, yung foresight ang wala. Foresight. Mm-mm. Pero that is very frustrating and disappointing given the fact that yeah. we were dealing with so many cases already as far as, as far back as August, no? Oo. Tsaka ang daming options na pwedeng tinake para mag-prepare better. And for larger cases, because we need to learn lessons from everybody, eh, di ba? Eh, ang pinukuha na nilang lessons palagi yung kokonti lang ang ano. Tapos ngayon, kumuhugay yung gobyerno to come up, let's say, with the uh, with field hospitals, no? I think this is one of the adjustments they're doing now. Coming uh, up, modular type of uh, parang hospitals, no? Ito yung easy to assemble, pero... Uh, earlier, I was talking with Undersecretary Leopoldo Vega. I asked uh-huh. him, how long does it take for you to build this field hospital? Sabi niya, mga 45 days din. Eh, kung ang number natin, <laughs> umaabot na ng 10,000 at ibig. Tapos na yung crisis. Tapos na yung 45 days. Available yung ano, yung bed. Uh-huh. Eh, sa China, 6 days ata eh, di ba? Oo, yung... Uh, of course, yung kanilang 5,000 dead hospital dun sa Wuhan. Mm-hmm. Dito, so... Of course, we we know that uh, according to Malacanang, to Secretary Roque, the, the response of the government was excellent, no? Pero in reality, parang let's give them some sense of a reality check here. How would you assess the government's pandemic response so far? Well, I always tell my people at the Department of Health, kasi I, I'm, I of course talk to them, eh, and I said that I know you're doing your best, But you have to do more because your best is not yet good enough. Wala naman nagsasabi na nagtatamad-tamarang kayo dyan eh. Talagang alam namin na nagtatrabaho kayo. Pero baka yung pagtatrabaho ninyo is not as smart as it should be. Kaya napapagod kayo na wala pa rin resulta. So I think it comes to leadership and governance. Kasi yung mga tao dyan, they're all ready to to do what you tell them to do. But what you tell them to do is something that must have an effect on the situation. Hmm. And if 10 months ago you did something and it is wrong, it was wrong, don't do it again because you're not going to get a different result. Oh, no. <laughs> That's another, it's a, what, part of the famous 
a statement attributed to uh, I think Einstein, no? To Albert Einstein, yeah. Einstein, definitely. And we're seeing, about insanity. Oh, we're seeing it now. You mentioned yeah. that this is more about leadership and governance. So yeah. who's at fault here? We know that, uh, of course, naturally the blame is placed on Secretary Duque being the head of the Department of Health and as yeah. IADF. But how about someone above him? I say we can also understand the oh, of course President Duterte himself. Yeah, of course. I, I actually, I actually don't know why he takes this situation in a very cavalier way. Iba yung malit lang yan. Yeah. It has brought our economy down to its knees. It has uh, exposed the weakness of the healthcare system that has been underinvested in, underfunded for the longest time, not given the proper priority. Just look at um, those personal protective equipments. Okay, when we started, what did we have? Almost nothing. And people were wearing plastic. Alam mo na yung mga garbage cans? Mm-hmm. Yung mga lalagyan ng garbage na plastic bag? bag. Yeah. Yun ang ginagamit ng mga health workers to protect themselves. themselves. And that just pampalubag-loob lang yun kasi puro butas. Diba? It took months, months for the government to get real PPEs for their people. And who was filling the gap before that? It was private sector. Groups like the Towns Foundation that put out more than 1,600,000 PPEs to give to almost 700 hospitals that kept asking for the PPEs and the masks and the alcohol and the things like that. The PGH Medical Foundation Uh, of course, its focus was just PGH, but was important too because PGH also did not have anything. But what about the smaller public hospitals that talagang hindi napapansin ng tao? Yun ang hingi ng hingi ng PPEs mula dun sa mga foundations na nagbibigay kasi walang wala talaga sila. At ngayon, there's a vaccination program ng government. Uh, it's exactly. We need to wait for the actual... Uh, memo or order no? kasi sinabi ni President uh-huh. sige okay na private companies to purchase their own vaccines no? hindi pala eh baka may iba na naman on paper oh, no? we knock back na yun hindi yun ha? finally pinayagan ng private sector oo pero we knock back niya di ba sabi buy at will But, pero ngayon sinasabi nila hindi dadaan pa rin kayo sa tripartite agreement yun nga, yun ang medyo magulo rin sa uh-uh. policy decisions from the top. no Kasi when that was first uh, announced, we thought that finally they're, they're going to allow the private companies kasi talagang gigil na yung private companies to purchase. Uh-uh. Abay, mm-hmm. eh, it turned out na dadaan pa rin para sa tripartite agreement with the government. no Of course. Y- y- There, there's actually a reason. There's actually a reason. Pero sana... Okay na yung tripartite agreement pero uh, ano yung bilisan nila tsak, hindi yung parang um, ayaw nila actually napipilitan lang yung ganun ba mm-hmm. eh kung titingnan mo naman 
yung private sector, mas mabilis kumilos kesa sa kanila. Tama. O ngayon magdo-donate pa sa kanila ng kalahat. Hindi ba kang nakakahiya yung ikaw yung pamahalaan, sinabi mo, lahat ng tao ay babakunahan ng libre at ang national government ang magbabayad. Mm-hmm. Yung pala, kukuha sila ng donation sa private sector para pang ipang-vaccinate. O di hindi sila nagbayad noon. Tapos galit ka pa, medyo. Gal- galit ka pa. <laughs> Oo. <laughs> Parang utang na loob pa ng private sector. Utang, utang na loob pa ng private sector na tumulo sa gobyerno. Oo. Ito mo, ito, Secretary Cabrala. I'll try to be blunt here. Kasi nga, uh, when people talk about this, parang they tend to, to skirt the issue, eh, to, to dance around it. Kasi when you mention leadership in governance, of course, there's Secretary Duque, but there's President Duque. Do you see competence here on the part of the President in terms of leading this response? Ano, ano? Do you sense incompetence? To be blunt about it. To be blunt about it? I yeah. think that they can... They can be doing a better job. I, I'm not sure that I want to say they are incompetent, but they can be doing a better job. I'm sure they can. Ingay, kasi para every little action or inaction by those governing us can lead mm-hmm. to death or uh, save the life of certain people. Eh, kaso yeah. ito, medyo magulo. Oh. Doon sa, ano, sa may push to abolish certain senators, no? the interagency task force. Yes. Do you think that's a good idea? Kasi naturally, naghahanap ng masisisi, hindi lang yung mga oh, oh. people, but even the politicians. No? Pero this oh, time, like ITF. Um, hindi ko alam kasi kung ano ipapalit. Uh, kunyari, gagawa ka na naman ng bagong structure. Tapos, kakailanganin mo na naman ng tao. Tapos, yung tao ang mag appoint nun, the same person na nag-appoint dun sa mga tao dun sa IATF. Eh di, magkakapareho lang yun eh. So, same banana. Kumbaga, Siguro, ano, ha? Kumbaga, kailangan mo ng interagency task force pa rin naman kahit sininap. Oo. Because you need to coordinate the efforts of government. Correct. Um, And actually, that is a law. Yes, oo. Ang reklamo siguro nila, yung taong nakaupo ngayon. Ay, yung taong nakaupo ngayon, kailangan niya siguro ng konting fresh ideas, new blood. Kasi isang taon na siya dyan eh. Pagod na pagod na sila. Yung, yung thinking nila na, na, ano na, na telescope na, parang telescopic view na sila. Ba kailangan nila ng disruptor within the IATF to say, why don't we do this instead? Oh, kasi nandiyan yung tendency ng group think eh, na para bang i-compatible with, uh, with, with each other's ideas and then you tend to reinforce even... Uh, so, sure, tapos pag may criticism, they will circle the wagon. Hmm. Hindi sila tatanggap ng criticism no matter how constructive it is. Yan yeah, ang problema. How about Secretary Duque? What do you think? Um, do you sense that he's still firmly in control of this IATF or... If you look at the dynamics kasi, ito, ito napapansin ng marami ito eh. Even the simplest announcements during this entire pandemic response by the government since last year, parang lagi nakaasa kay President Duterte to make the announcement. Kumbaga parang mayor type. Ayun na hindi ko maintindihan. Bakit nakikialam pa yung presidente dun sa mga day-to-day 
activities at saka regulations. Kailangan approve niya lahat. Da, bawat isang resolution ng IATF, kailangan i-approve ni Presidente. Bakit nga ba? <laughs> Hindi ko alam. Pero as a rule kasi dapat, dapat ano na yan. That's why you have the IATF, no? Or baka... Correct. Dapat, pag may pirma na yun ni Secretary Nagrales at ni Secretary Duque, yun na yun. Hindi ka because of the leadership style of the President. Kung baga, takot yung mga nasa ibaba niya to make certain decisions kasi nga, he could make an entirely different decision be, uh, compared to what was agreed on within the IATF. Kasi nandun pa rin sure. yung attitude niya ay ganun nga siguro kaya kung bakit ayaw nilang magsabi ng approve yan hanggang hindi na-approve ng presidente. Eh kuminsa naman na-approve na nga niya, nakalimutan niya. Babaguhin na naman niya. Like yung sa ano, yung indemnification law that he signed. <laughs> Oo. <laughs> Marami nagulat doon, no? Parang kind of uh, last month or back in February, parang Feb pa yata, no? Oo. He signed that law indemnification for those who yes. the adverse effects in the vaccines pero nagagalit siya. Oo. Bakit daw kailangan bayaran? Oo. Last week yun. So, so, so yung ganyan yan, di ba? Minsan mukhang nakakatuwa eh. Pero in this case, you're dealing with actual lives and human suffering. Hindi nakakatuwa yun. Hindi ako natutuwa doon na hindi on the ball ang presidente all the time. Yeah, so, so how do you adjust certain things sa ganito? How do you make adjustments? Kasi we're stuck with this kind of president, with this kind of leadership style. Yes. What can we well, do? Sabi niyo mag-resign siya. I don't think that that is happening. Ah, uh, no. Nobody's going to resign. Tsaka the more you push the president to make, to fire Duque, the more he is not going to do it. Ganun eh. Hmm. Kasi kahiyaan, ha? Ang pinupush ng iba, si Duterte na raw mag-resign. Eh. Ay, walang ganun eh. Oh. <laughs> Lalo nang hindi niya gagawin yun. Pagiging oh. si Lenny Robredo ang presidente, impossible. Kung si Bongbong Marcos pa, baka. <laughs> Pero itong si, ano, si Secretary Duque nga, but how do you think, what do you think of uh, the way he has been handling this pandemic? Um, you hardly see him actually, di ba? And when you see him, he'll see him in inanities, like he will go with a meter stick to find out whether the physical distancing rule is being um, complied with. Hindi ganun yun. Dapat he should go to the hospital and see how the, the critically ill patients are doing, whether their medicines are enough or not, whether the doctors are properly trained whether they are working within reasonable hours or if or are they working 120 days 120 hours a week and that is harmful to the doctor and harmful to the patient when if it happens for a long period of time the quality of healthcare will go down mm-hmm. even more you were still the department of health secretary could you imagine doing that in the middle of a pandemic Focusing on, sabi nyo, inanities, no? So basically, yeah. thing, like the one uh, wherein the Department of Health Secretary himself was reminding people to 
observe physical distancing, no? parang kayo, yeah. even your experience mm-hmm. before, could you imagine doing that? I can imagine doing that, pero that's not the focus of my activity. <laughs> this is, At tapos, he will remind to use the mask properly, eh, yung mask niya, hindi nakalagay sa ilong niya. Pababa. Hi. <laughs> he sounds so frustrated. Ako. <laughs> <laughs> Wala bang PR yun? Sigurado naman na may nag-advise sa kanya. Meron naman siguro. Pero Oo. problema sa ganito siguro kasi parang more than uh, handling a public official's public image. Focus all the resources on helping the people. Sure. Like, Oo. Like certain Kaya nga, I said, I can imagine doing that but that's not the focus of my activities. Oo. Isang aspect, ma'am, I'd like to take advantage of your experience as DSWB Secretary, Social Work. Isang aspect kasi nito recently, uh, Malacanang announced that uh, they would release 1,000 pesos each to those affected by this uh, latest lockdown, by this ongoing lockdown in Metro Manila. Yeah. Pero may mga nakausap tayo mga mayors, they were, of course, thankful for that. Pero sabi la, they would have to augment that. And there are certain logistical nightmares involved. Example, anong listahan yung susundin at paano mo siya ibibigay? Kasi unang announcement, in kind, eh, di ba? That's the worst thing that they can do is to give it in kind. Doon na dami ang corruption. Sa pagbili pa lang ng lata ng sardinas, iba na yung presyo na nakalagay doon sa ano, purchase order. Papatungan pa. Ay, ganun na nga yun. That is more opportunity for corruption. It, there are situations when you have to give um, things in kind. They help in kind. And that includes, kunyari, merong typhoon. O nasira lahat ng tindahan doon sa lugar na yun. So, miski gusto mong bimili, wala kang mabibili. Miski bigyan kita ng pera. In those cases, they really need the in kind help. But in certain instances like this, cash is the better thing to give because all the groceries are open, all the stores are open. You don't know what the people need. If you give them the money, then they will decide how to use it. If they use it on beer and alcohol, that's their fault. It's not something that you can monitor. Come on. Wala naman supply shortage sa ngayon eh. Unlike... Wala. Feared last year, no? Yeah. Kaya nangyari yung, yung much feared shortage kaya nagkaroon ng panic buying ng mga tao. Oh, and na hindi naman nangyari yun. Oh, hindi naman nangyari. Kaya, kaya, I can also why uh, there was panic buying in certain supermarkets when this lockdown was announced. Eh? Wala naman talaga shortage. Eh? So, wala. Wala. Finally, uh, Dr. Cabral, let's talk about this uh, these approach being done now by the national government and of course in coordination hopefully with the local governments. Uh, sabi nila, one week lockdown. Pero based on data, based on experts' opinion, uh, at, the, uh, at, at the very least, do you think we're on the right track here in terms of trying to slow down the spread of the virus? One week lockdown. Uh, putting ourselves on a two-week lockdown. Uh, okay, the lockdown should be used 
to set up whatever it is that is necessary so that we do not have another opportunity for a lockdown. Hindi pwedeng lockdown lang eh. The lockdown must be used so that you can test the people who need to be tested, so you can trace the people that have been exposed, so you can provide the hospitals with the materials that they need and tell them, this is how many more we anticipate in the next two weeks. Please prepare your beds and your health workers. Ngayon, sabi nila, the Department of Health is going to augment the workers of the private hospitals and the public hospitals. Kaya e ang mangyayari doon. Aalisin nila sa regions, yung mga ibang tao, dadali nila dito. Yung mga nandun, walang mangyayari na sa kanila. So this is where there is a failure in anticipating um, that a medical reserve should have been done. Tapos, uh, before I let you go, I'd like to address also this, this worrying uh, number. Six out of ten Filipinos were reluctant or said they, they don't want, they didn't want to be vaccinated. Yeah. As ordinarily, you would think na given the, 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 the gravity of the problem that we're seeing now, it's only logical mm-hmm. for people to be convinced to get vaccinated already. Pero bakit? Yeah. Parang mas, mas tumaas pa yung, yung mas lumala pa yung situation in terms of vaccine hesitancy. Why do you think so? Well, I think part of that is because of the misinformation that comes out. No? Kasi masyado na tayong information overload. And a lot of them is really misinformation. Others are true information that we cannot process because we do not have the health um, science background to do it. Diba? Kasi, di mo yan, lalabas yung AstraZeneca. Meron daw mga X number of people in Norway who died from blood clotting diseases after they were injected with the AstraZeneca vaccine. Di ba ganun yun? It turned out wala naman pala. Kumbaga, walang link. It, it turned out that, in fact, there was no excess deaths from blood clotting mechanisms in that particular situation. That is to be expected in that general population that X number will die of blood clotting mechanisms to sa universe nila. And it is not related to the AstraZeneca. Pero hindi nila na-absorb yun. Ang narinig lang nila, namatay yung 28 ta- tapos nila ma-injectan ng AstraZeneca. Kaya lang isipang problem dyan na Dr. Cabral, yung, of course, at fault ito yung media. Yung simplification ng mga headlines, yung cause and effect, which have no logical connection at all. Diba? Sinasabi, Correct. Example, uh, let's say, woman dies after getting COVID-19 vaccine. Paggamit yeah. after, nandun agad yung implication na she died. Namatay siya dahil sa COVID vaccine. COVID vaccine. Siyempre, excuse, let's say, nung headline. Parang niya may after eh. Pero, right, ang dami lang pwedeng nangyari. Yeah. Pwede nag-cause ng death. Not exactly the vaccine. Yung of problem, course. Yung babawiin. Yung impression that was created. Yeah. So, we, we need to be careful when we relate uh, information like that because that will add to vaccine hesitancy, which is already huge in our country. Uh, there is a study that said that uh, in 2015, 93% of Filipinos thought vaccines were important, safe, and effective. 
Then the Dengbakshe scandal happened, you know, with um, Persida Acosta putting a medical gown on and parang siya yung nag-autopsy doon, meron pa siyang stethoscope. <laughs> and then sabihin niya, namatay yung bata dahil sa Dengbakshe. Oh, so she did a hundred of those in media. Okay? Mm-hmm. But there's actually no relationship between the Dengbakshe vaccine and the deaths of those children. So the vaccine confidence went down from 93% to 32%. Okay, So that's a very important thing. And then there are other reasons like uh, you know, mga anti-vaxxers talaga, that as a philosophy of life, they do not want to be given vaccines because, for example, they will relate uh, vaccines to autism, ganyan, na hindi naman din totoo. So, malaking problema yung vaccine hesitancy and I was hoping na kung makita nila na yung mga doktor nagpapabakuna, medyo mawawala yung vaccine hesitancy nila. Yung doctors. Pero the survey says na not much effect. Kasi only 19, sabi dun sa survey ng Pulse Asia yan, eh, diba? 19% were willing to be vaccinated. 16 yata, 16%. 16% o kumaba pa. Kasi the previous October was 19. At saka social weather station yata. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Cabral, for joining us on this podcast. Uh, I could sense your frustration, your disappointment, and a lot of people definitely share this kind of sentiment given what's happening now in the Philippines, especially in Metro Manila and the nearby provinces. I wish I could... Uh, Uh, Grinche, good day, no? Pero talagang the situation is bad here in the Philippines as we speak. Maraming maraming salamat po for joining us on this podcast. Maraming salamat, Christian, at maraming salamat sa iyong mga taga-subaybay. Again, thank you very much for uh, listening to our podcast today. Uh, you can always uh, catch this podcast on YouTube. It's also available on Spotify, Apple, Google, and Stitcher podcasts. See you again next week for another edition of our Facts First podcast. 